Morning Trade Live on this pre-Independence Day session. Who's trading? Who's awake? Is anybody out there? I know Jim Bianco is. He's the president of Bianco Research. Jim, uh, what's today going to look like? Pretty quiet or could uh, this little sell-off in bonds create some action for us? No, it'll probably be pretty quiet. It's a half day. Um, you know, as you said, everybody's trying to not either not be at work or try to be at work. But to your point, if the sell-off in bonds, which has been underway for a couple of weeks and continues through the rest of the week and into next week, yeah, that could eventually become the headwind that could uh, upset the stock market as we approach 5% on the two-year note and as we approach 4% on the 10-year note. It seems like so far this year, bonds selling off has been related to the economy doing better than expected, so the market's been fine with it. Is that the right explanation? So far, that has been the explanation. But then also this year, you've also had inflation coming down all year. Mm -hmm. And there's a case to be made, and I've been making it, that the inflation rate could be bottoming this summer, maybe even as early as June uh, last month. Uh, because if you look at the base effect on inflation and it turns around and if inflation starts to drift higher, that could really change the dynamic. And I think that that's what's been happening with short term interest rates starting to move higher as we start to price in a more aggressive Fed. We've got like an 80 percent chance that they're going to raise rates at the July 26th meeting and 50 50 that there'll be a second rate hike uh, somewhere else uh, later on this year. What do you think this tells us about the kind of fallout or lack thereof from the regional banks? As a quarter ago, that seemed to be the most imminent threat. It really changed all of the pricing for the Fed. And of course, it played some role, maybe not all of it, but some non-zero role in the stock market rally. Where are we at now in our analysis of that and understanding its uh, impact or lack thereof? Well, I agree that, you know, say March 8th to March 10th, when the bank started to fail, was probably the most important market days or period of the year. Prior to that, from January to March 8th, basically small cap stocks, large cap stocks, AI stocks, everything else performed in line with each other. Since that date, you've seen the AI stocks, you've seen technology take off, and you've seen everything else kind of meander sideways and had a little bit of a rally in the last week or 10 days or so. So you start, you opened up this gigantic divergence. And really, I've argued that the economy and the stock market cannot really sustain a rally if the banks are in a mess. Now, the banks don't have to lead, they just can't be a problem, and they've been a problem. And largely, other than about eight stocks, that has been the case, that the market since about March 8th had been kind of meandering sideways, not doing a whole lot of everything, anything. And then you have the Apples and the NVIDIAs and the Teslas, you know, doubling, if not more, uh, and, you know, leading the, leading the whole index higher. So that has been the dynamic that we've seen. Now, as we go forward through the second half of the year, if the credit crunch that we've seen, if the bank walk that people are saying, I don't want to keep my money in a bank account and move to a five to five and a half percent money market rate continues, the banks will still struggle with profitability. And that will be a problem, at least for the, the rest of the stock market, as it has been since March 8th. Mm. So uh, the potential here for rotation within the market, Jim, do you buy that as a possibility? Is there enough economic potential to support 
a rotation into cyclical groups uh, to see some of the uh, bank participation widen out, to see energy stocks and industrials and those partake in the rally, or is it big eight or big bust? Well, in order to get the rotation, I believe what you'd need to see, first of all, you'd need two things. You'd need the economy to be more resilient than people think, and that we've had. Uh, for at least for the first half of the year, and we'd have to see more signs that that will continue. The second half of the year, we could start with Friday's payroll report. Will it beat again for the 15th consecutive time, or will it not? Uh, but beyond that, I think we'd have to see signs that inflation is not bottoming. Uh, and that it is continuing to go lower. Now, I expect a big downtick in the year-over-year -year inflation numbers in June, but then when you get into July, August, September, October, does inflation start to drift higher? That's what I think it does. Now, drift means it goes from 3% to something like 4 not like 9 uh, And the Fed will find that completely unacceptable and probably talk about at least two rate hikes, if not more. And if that happens, I think it will be difficult to see the rotation in the cyclicals with the Fed keeping the heat on interest rates and trying to slow the economy. If inflation does go down and stay down, then yeah, you could definitely see a rotation. That's why you haven't seen the rotation since March, is because I think it's this fear that inflation might be bottoming and maybe we're very close to that reality. As we focus on inflation, given that was the major threat last year, I do wonder, Jim, if also maybe we've underappreciated the market's kind of lingering uncertainty around the virus. I kind of say that because we've got these travel numbers that are at new highs, higher than pre-COVID now, and stocks related to the vaccines like Pfizer, you know, are way down at the lows, despite so many other uh, companies in their group doing very well. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on maybe if also we're sort of having this kind of last exhale almost, uh, like, uh, in, you know, had that been lingering at all whatsoever? Yeah, I think it's more of a fundamental shift. You know, when we had the virus, we did something, the most important, again, I'll use the, the qualifier, economic event of our lifetime and probably will remain. We shut down the global economy and we restarted it. We, a week before we did it, we didn't even think that was possible. And yet we wound up doing it anyway. And the lingering effects of that, we're gonna take another decade to understand. One of those lingering effects is when you were talking with Kevin in the segment before, is the booming airline numbers. But as Kevin pointed out, it's personal travel that's going through the roof. It's not business travel. And business travel may never return to its pre-COVID levels. It's only about two thirds of what its pre-COVID levels were. But personally, we are traveling more than we've ever ever have. And that's why you've seen the, the, uh, the airports congested and everything taking off. As far as the, the, um, the pharma stocks go, I still think that they've, they've got a credibility problem after what happened with the, the, the vaccine that they're going to have to overcome, that they've made some promises and uh, contentions about what the vaccines were that didn't quite pan out, yeah. like that they were going to get rid of the virus as opposed to reduce the virus. And so that's where I think that their struggle is right now. But look, going back, it was that shutting down of the economy and restarting it that changed a lot of things. And the airline industry is probably on the forefront. Them and office real estate are on the forefront of what those changes mean as they're trying to you know, digest what the post-COVID economy is for their business models.
Okay, well said. Jim, I'm curious uh, about some of the other asset classes uh, that I know you watch, namely gold, uh, Bitcoin, maybe commodities too, if that's the way to answer the question. But the question being, better than expected economic outcomes right now, kind of forming that base for higher yields, maybe a higher dollar, and from there, what do you watch in those other assets? Any of those right now pique your interest? Well, just to, to tick them off, gold has been the single most frustrating asset I've ever seen. I mean, if you were to design a perfect environment for gold to take off, it's been the last couple of years, high inflation, slow growth, uncertainty, even throwing a pandemic and it can't do anything. So I don't know what it's waiting for at this point. Oil is probably more of a supply story. Again, this morning, we've got voluntary cuts from the Saudis and now the Russians to try and prop up oil. And it doesn't seem to be working in terms of trying to get oil to um, to go higher. As far as crypto goes, uh, I think that that's probably the most bullish of the scenarios, but it really has to do with that the SEC has laid their cards on the table. It's a security, we're gonna, we're gonna take you to court, we're gonna argue this, and the industry's feeling pretty good right now. They're gonna win, they're gonna beat the SEC, they're gonna get, reasonable regulation. They're going to get definitions on what a security is or isn't in a decentralized world, in a digital world, as opposed to using some 1946 definition of, of what a security is when we were trying to sell fruit trees in Florida, which is exactly where that definition came from. Uh, and so the industry's feeling like if we're going to get this clarity, we could drag in traditional players because they're going to understand what the rules of the road are. So crypto has been showing signs of life and probably will from a regulatory hope standpoint. All right. Thanks, Jim. Always a good catch up. Really like uh, the macro uh, framework you use. It seems like it fits pretty well into what we've seen from the market. So a nice assessment for us to begin the week and uh, enjoy your holiday tomorrow. Thank you. You too. All right. You got it. Thanks, Jim. He's president at Bianco Research coming up.